0: To worship you and to present our bodies a living sacrifice. May you bless us together as we study your precious word, whence you revealed yourself to the people of Israel in ways that they little understood, but that we have been the recipients of the fulfillment of those promises. We ask your blessing upon our time together, and the lesson and our, each of our hearts. we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to move quickly once I get through with the fee, uh, excuse me, the sacrifices One, two, three, four, five of them. And we're almost there, chapter six. Uh, after that, there is, I'll show you some designs to the book of Leviticus that make it possible for me to move on quickly. There's a repetitious cycle that happens in that. I shared uh, our study with a person and I asked them about, um, have you ever read through the Bible? Uh, in one, you know, in one fell swoop, just work right through the Bible. For those of you who have, You should know that I never have. Have I read all of the books of the Bible? Absolutely. Have I read them at one time? (laughs) No. I bogged down in Leviticus, and then I thought I would move on to Numbers, and it got worse. (laughs) Those are difficult books. And it, uh, uh, while you can read them, and I think there's benefit to that, reading without understanding is not always beneficial. Perhaps it's better to understand and then uh, to, uh, to, to get some help. That's why God has, hopefully, I, ho- I hope, I qualify, has appointed teachers in the faith, preachers and teachers, to bring out the meaning of these Uh, uh, books and these things. They are sometimes difficult just as the types and uh, uh, analogies that are going on in the first part of Leviticus. Difficult to understand. Most of us, as I said last week or a week before, most of us are not used to field dressing a deer. Although Will Sutton probably did that, <laughs> uh, and, and, and so forth. But if you read these early things in Leviticus, you think something about butching, butchery and uh, being a butcher. And that's interesting. Um, and it's kind of hard to understand unless we have some insights as to what all those things mean. I want this morning to kind of go back over briefly and just name the those sacrifices i'll i'll push it onto you to identify the first one what was the first one so you huh burnt offering, burnt offering. amen the burnt offering what made it unique does anybody remember that it stands at the head of all the rest of them and there's a reason for that by the author Moses of Leviticus and God's inspiration of Moses there's a reason for that that it goes first. It is absolutely about substitutionary atonement. Boom. And it makes the connection almost immediately not only with Christ Jesus but with the book of Hebrews that we are Uh, coming to this study after the study of the book of Hebrews, and we'll make those connections back and forth almost constantly throughout this study. Uh, And it is about atonement. It is about substitutionary atonement. You remember it was that one where the worshiper set the standard by putting his hands on the head of that offering that burnt offering how much of the burnt offering was eaten none none you did, that that one was not eaten at all that one was what burnt up literally reduced to ashes on that altar of burnt offerings interesting isn't it And it is the one that stands at the head of the others. And if you're going to understand them ultimately, I'm not asking you to have a full knowledge after we complete this study, but I hope that it will give you some additional information. But if you're going to understand the others, the first one, the primary one of the burnt offering, you have to grasp that as to what it is communicating regarding Jesus Christ and regarding um, uh, offerings Now, i got to say something. We're studying about the offerings. But what we didn't do is we didn't go back and get uh, from Exodus the establishment of the tabernacle itself. And the tabernacle itself is representative of the heavenly we believe that uh, Moses was in the mountain and he saw something that was really real some of us believe that and he was told make one that is a copy of that and so he established the tabernacle with explicit detailed instructions and there's a reason for that because it was about Christ and that's the whole reason we're studying here. We move from, well, we actually went to James, but now we're <laughs> we went from Hebrews and James now to Leviticus. And and rightly so. The book of Leviticus finds its wonderful fulfillment, I think, in the book of Hebrews more than any other, although the book of Romans, read correctly, will also add to that glory. My goodness. Uh, uh, so we have much invested in these offerings and the, of Leviticus. First one was the burnt offering we just described. The next one was a grain offering. No animal. Food. Yeah. Fellowship or peace offering. There was an animal involved here. Purification of sin, animals involved again. Reparation or guilt offering. Reparation, that is repayment. Uh, Guilt offering, we call it. And what the book of Leviticus calls it, guilt offering. And it is uh, uh, each one of them, beginning with the first one, the burnt offering that has to do with substitutionary atonement, I don't know, it just flashed through my mind. I'm, I'll get to it later. Do you remember there, were two, there was one celebration where there's two goats, one that was offered up, and one was turned loose? Oh my. <laughs> but I haven't got time to go into that. I, but there's, there's a lot in that whole kind of thing. The, the turning one loose, killing one. They're all the same as Jesus Christ. It has to do with eternal life. Uh, But we have these five, five primary uh, uh, sacrifices that the Israelites were to to make. My goodness. Some of them were for priests and, and those people. Some were just for common citizens. My goodness. Um, uh, everybody was covered because this is all about Christ. I know <sighs> my atheist friends; they don't, they don't believe any of this stuff. They think I'm well. How did they call it? Irrational. <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, I'm not irrational. I find Jesus Christ all over the book of Leviticus. That's the reason that I called it in the beginning the gospel according to Leviticus. Strange title, I suppose, but a true one. Uh, and, And Christ is prominent throughout the book, but most especially here in the beginning when we see the connection. But I want to say, Christ did not only fulfill the sacrificial uh, shadows. What else did he fulfill? You know that tabernacle I just described. Jesus Christ and God, the Holy of Holies, His glory that is unapproachable without a sacrifice. You come near it like the sons of Aaron did, without uh, with an inappropriate sacrifice, you're dead. Did that change? No. No. God's glory is still God's glory. And the only way to get into that glory or to, uh, to survive that glory is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the atoning sacrifice, the burnt offering. He is the, he is the grain offering. He is all of the offerings taken together. It is in Christ. It serves for fellowship. It serves for redemption. It serves for a substitutionary atonement. All of these things are displayed and, and laid out for us on the pages of Leviticus. I always, uh, you know, one of the things that has troubled me is, did those Israelites understand any of this? I, we, serve, we have a very interesting perspective. We... Christ has been here and Christ said I did not come to destroy the law but to fulfill it in every aspect the burnt offering the grain offering the peace offering the sin offering and the reparation offering all of it all of it all of it expresses the person, work, and character of Jesus Christ our Lord. My goodness. But it is hard reading. <laughs> it's really difficult because it talks about livers and uh, uh, the fatty lobe on the liver and all those kind of things. And at first, you're, you're distracted from, uh, from the Christ thing to the particulars of, the, of the, what's going on as you read the book. But I wanted to say those things. But Christ not only fulfills these, but he fulfills what the house, that is the tabernacle itself, stood for. The priesthood, he fulfills that. Everything. Everything. Everything that you see here, God had told Moses, write it down, exactly as I tell you. There's a purpose to all of these things and it has to do with the coming Savior. You know, my, uh, once again, my unbelieving friends say, well, if he had just forgiven Adam and Eve, we wouldn't have any of these problems. <laughs> and he wouldn't have had to write the book of Leviticus or any of them for that matter. That uh, all that kind of stuff they don't understand I have if I was going to preach next and well I'm kind of doing that right now And <laughs> my apologies I don't mean to make, uh, I'm just being uh, what vocal um, if I was to preach a sermon now based on our studies and stuff I'd say the absolute horror and danger of sin. We minimize it all the time. This world minimizes it. What do they care about sin? But sin destroys. We need to be saved from sin. And guess what I can announce? We have been. <laughs> Jesus Christ has come. And so we see this whole thing when we're reading Leviticus, this side of the cross and the resurrection. My goodness, Christ has ascended back into the, uh, the heavenlies and sits at the right hand of the majesty on high. He's done at least for those, all of those accomplishments for sin, answering for sin, answering to these types and everything. We await the final work, his return and establishment of a everlasting kingdom. Man, I'm looking forward to it. Tyler and I talking about up here, our friends who have died or what we've lost and and stuff like that, we shall see again around the throne of God. But it is not Jack Berkholder that I'm anxious to see. It is Jesus Christ, my Lord. But I'm sure that after a couple millennia, he'll give me a few minutes to talk to Jack. <laughs> but uh, but uh, we'll be able to gaze upon the glory that would previously have destroyed us. We get to look at him in his glory. Why? Because you've been made like him. Wow. What is that going to be like? Oh, my goodness. Turn to chapter 6, and we're going to finish up some stuff here because there's a transition in chapter 6. Let me begin by reading. Verse one, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, if a person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord by lying to his neighbor about what was delivered to him for safekeeping or about a pledge or about a robbery or if he has extorted from his neighbor or if he has found what was lost and lies concerning it and swears falsely, If any one of these things that a man may do in which he sins, then it shall be, because he has sinned and is guilty, that he shall restore. It was a reparative offering. He shall restore what he has stolen, or the thing which he has extorted, or what was delivered to him for safekeeping, or the lost thing which he found or all that that about which he has sworn falsely. He shall restore it, its full value, and one-fifth, 20% more to it, and give it to whomever it belongs in the day of his trespass offering, trespass, reparation, offering. And he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord, a ram without blemish from the flock, with your valuation as a trespass offering to the priest. Animals involved again. And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven for any one of these things that he may have done in which he trespasses. There it is. It's our final uh, sacrifice. The sin offering, or the reparation offering, as a lot of the commentators call it, where the sense is that, his, that the offender is restoring what he has damaged or whatever, and he owes something to a neighbor or whatever. And uh, all of that, it still involves the killing of an animal. And guess what? Almost all of them do, with the exception of the grain offering. The grain offering is that of fellowship with God, eating a meal with Him. Have you passed by out there on Toronto Road? The big sign of the Christian church there, just on the north side of Toronto Road, there by uh, Motorhead. You all know what I'm talking about. Uh, It says, Supper with Jesus. That's right. Supper with Jesus. Well, frankly, I think they take it too, way too lightly. They're talking about a fellowship meal with one another. We have a meal with Christ, don't we? I think we observe it toward the end of every, every, uh, every service we have here. Or morning service on Sunday. But we don't want to make light of it. But there is a fellowship sacrifice. Sacrifice that intends to uh, uh, to bring fellowship between God and the worshiper. No animal is involved, only grain. Some of it is offered symbolically on the flame, and the rest of it is kept and ate, eaten by Aaron's sons. And so we learn a lot about these things. But the reason I... Finish this this morning, chapter six, with the fifth and final sacrifice is the next verse, verse nine. Command Aaron and his sons saying, "This is the law of the burnt offering. Everything changes. This is one of those I'm sorry.. <laughs> I gotta stop that. Do you guys know what a, a Libre is? Oh, golly, Ned. Uh, high glucose alarm. No, you're a nurse. Wait till I talk with them this weekend. So I get a high alarm like that, and I do a test with my regular blood, it's 65 points lower than this so anyway sorry for their interruption my my apologies I'll put that away and let it beep at me from there okay Uh, uh, this is the law of the law of in other words they've just described these uh, sacrifices and the details of the things involved with it now they're going to talk about the law of the procedure for You might say, uh, the burnt offering shall be on the hearth upon the altar all night until morning. And the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. We go back to the number one, burnt offering. And it tells it that you're supposed to keep it out there on that hearth all night long. And keep the fire blazing. And the priest shall put on his linen garment and his linen trousers. What color is linen usually? White, of course. Imagine this. There's significance here. And uh, shall put on his linen garment and his linen trousers, he shall put on his body and take up the ashes of the burnt offering. That can't be clean, can it? Have you ever cleaned ashes out of... So for for those of you who have had coal stoves and stuff, I mean I'm old enough to remember this kind of thing. And cleaning the ashes was one thing that the boys were required to do. It's not a pleasant or a clean task. You get dirty with ashes all over you, and I can imagine that these white clothes got really nasty. He shall put on his linen garment, his linen trousers. He shall put on his body and take up the ashes of the burnt offering which the fire has consumed on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. Then he shall take off his garments, put on other garments, and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. I'm waiting. Jesus, Jesus... Jesus, outside, on a hill, on Calvary, in a clean place. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn it on the fat. On it, the fat of the peace offering. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. Well, it did go out. What now? Jesus Christ. That was the law. Hebrews says that the blood of goats and bulls could never take away sin. Then he changes topics. Verse 14. This is the law of, there it is again. He's now giving the procedures for the grain offering this time, the second one. The sons of Aaron shall offer it on the altar before the Lord. He shall take from it his handful of the fine flour of the grain offering, a handful, just lifting it up, with its oil and all the frankincense, because that's how the worshiper was instructed to do it, which is on the grain offering, and shall burn it on the altar for a sweet aroma as a memorial to the Lord. You remember he said he would take his memorial portion earlier. And the remainder of it, Aaron and his sons shall eat. With unleavened bread, it shall be eaten in a holy place in the court of the tabernacle of meeting. They shall eat it in the court, not in the tabernacle itself, but just outside the front gate, not the gate, but but the front of the uh, tabernacle itself. In that place, they would eat this. And the remainder of it, Aaron and his sons shall eat with unleavened bread. It shall be eaten in a holy place. In the court of the tabernacle of meeting, they shall eat it. It shall not be baked with leaven. Leaven represents what, folks? Everybody knows. That's a whole sin. Leaven is typical of sin. And it also harkens back to the exodus. Interesting enough. I have given it as their portion of my offerings made by fire. It is most holy. Like the sin offering and the trespass offering. Just because it's an offering of fellowship doesn't mean that it's any less holy. All the males among the children of Aaron may eat it. That's a lot of people. It shall be a statute forever in your generations concerning the offerings made by fire to the Lord. Everyone who touches them must be holy. Verse 19 The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This is the offering of Aaron and his sons, which they shall offer to the Lord, beginning on the day when he is anointed. Now it switches over to the priesthood, the Aaronic uh, priesthood. One-tenth of an ephah or ephah, however you want to pronounce it, of fine flour as a daily grain offering, half of it in the morning and half at night. That's a little bit different for the priests and the sons of Aaron. It shall be made in a pan with oil, When it is mixed, you shall bring it in. The baked pieces of the grain offering you shall offer for a sweet aroma to the Lord. The priest from among his sons, who is anointed in his place, shall offer it. It is a statute forever of the Lord. It shall be wholly burned. For every grain offering for the priest shall be wholly burned. It shall not be eaten." The other part was eaten, but not that part. Isn't it? So it kind of boggles the mind a little bit what's going on here, but we're going to try to finish this out today. Also, the Lord spoke to Moses, verse 24, speak to Aaron and to his son, saying, this is the law of the sin offering. Uh, in the place where the burnt offering is killed, the sin offering shall be killed before the Lord. It is most holy. The priest who offers it for sin shall eat it. In a holy place, he shall be uh, eaten. It shall be eaten. In the court of the tabernacle of meeting, everyone who touches its flesh must be holy. And when its blood is sprinkled on any garment, you shall wash that on which it was sprinkled in a holy place. But the earthen vessel in which it is boiled shall be broken. Now it's getting deep. It's really getting harder harder to understand. And if it is boiled in a bronze pot, it shall be both scoured and rinsed in water. In either case, it's a It's a deep cleaning of of the vessel. All the males among the priests may eat it. It is most holy. But no sin offering from which any of the blood is brought into the tabernacle of meeting to make atonement in the holy place shall be eaten. He goes back to warn them about this is not not a sin offering. Uh, It shall be burned in the fire. It's not a burnt offering. Something else. Chapter 7. Likewise, this is the law of, and then it is the trespass offering. It is most holy in the place where they kill the burnt offerings, that's at that uh, brazen altar. They shall kill the trespass offering, and his blood he shall sprinkle all around on the altar. Skip down to verse 7. The trespass offering is like the sin offering. There is one law for them both. The priest who makes atonement with it shall have it. And the priest who offers anyone's burnt offering, that priest shall have for himself the skin of the burnt offering which he has offered. Also, every grain offering that is baked in the oven and all that is prepared in the covered pan or in a pan shall be the priest who offers it. Every grain offering, whether mixed with oil or dry, shall belong to all the sons of Aaron, to one as much as the other. And then finally, without reading the whole text, verse 11, this is the law of The sacrifice of peace offerings. So, first he set out all five of these offerings, and then he, uh, uh, the writer of uh, uh, Hebrews, excuse me, of um, Leviticus, sets out the laws of the procedures for each of them. And so that's how this first part is structured. You don't find that, uh, uh, you shouldn't find that too unusual. You'll find a similar type approach to many of the books of the Bible. I think the Apostle Paul is perhaps one of the greatest examples of planful uh, approach to a topic through a book, like in the book of Romans or Galatians or Ephesians or Colossians or those. Uh, The man had just uh, an excellent Notion of uh, uh, literature and writing and things like that. He was no dummy. Uh, You know, my unbelieving friends on Quora call him call all the writers of the New Testament goat herders. They could wish that, (laughs) but it's not true. The Apostle Paul was a very learned man. Not only was he learned it, but he was guided by God himself and Jesus Christ appeared to him. They say, where did he appear to him? Well, two places. Does anybody remember two places where, where Jesus Christ appeared to, to the Apostle Paul? Damascus. Pardon me? Damascus. On the road to Damascus 1, I will guarantee you, he met him. What did it do to him? Blinded him. Where's the other one? A little bit more obscure. Wasn't it when you born out of, you know, the Lord appeared to be born before his time or something like that? Uh, that's, that was the one that I think related to this, but he appeared in Corinth. When the Apostle Paul first went to Corinth, he was discouraged. But Jesus Christ appeared at his bedside. You haven't read that? Come on. (laughs) Uh, Yes, he he was familiar with Jesus Christ. And he said, you stay here. I have many people in this city. And the Apostle Paul went on to have a, a glorious ministry in the city of Corinth. Corinth would be like going to Las Vegas. That was that wicked city back in those days. But the Lord appeared to him and said, I have many people in this city. You go after them. He says the same thing to us. We might not like our circumstances. It might not be the best place to be, but we serve the living God. Tyler and I are preaching about things, or talking about things that people ask us, And Tyler posted this note online. We don't prove, we preach. Amen. (laughs) That's a man after my own heart. Uh, We're not here to prove anything. We're here to preach the gospel. If you don't like it, that's too bad for you, but I'm not here to prove anything. I'm here to preach something the atoning work of Jesus Christ. I will try to persuade you, but if you don't want persuaded, there's not much I can do. I love all of this. Um, And I love this writing. It has been a personal blessing to me. I can't imagine that it uh, has been so to you in the same way that it has to me. I'm looking at, like, uh, I think I handed Matt a, a list of my commentaries. Uh, I consult about seven, but only two, seriously. And all of them uh, uh, have wonderful things and describe wonderful things about the book of Leviticus. Most people say that it is the center. Um, most commentators say that it's the center of the Old Testament. Leviticus, the center of the Old Testament. And I understand that now a little bit. I'll understand it more as we work through it. But it is a comprehensive look at the ministry and person in type, in promises of the Lord Jesus Christ to come how much later? A long time later. And now Christ has come and fulfilled every last iota of the law. Thanks be to God for that. And that we have gained entrance into that fellowship with that Savior if you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. What a rejoicing time it is to read the book of Leviticus and to find out that nearly 2,000 years ago they heard about Jesus. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, and we heard about you too. We didn't want to believe, our hearts wanted to run away. But your spirit grabbed our soul and turned us and enabled us, as John chapter 6 says, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have believed and we've come into the very glory of the Lord through Jesus Christ. May his name be exalted every way that we can think and it's in his name that we pray amen thank you